The following audio drama is rated R for rockin'. You can be sure that everything you wanted to see when you're a teenager is here. Just tantalizingly out of reach if you're under 17 or 18 years old. Hello, this is Howard Long, co-creator on the adventures of Gret Benchleaf, concerning the exploits of a ham-fisted private detective with a crippling fear of pies. Each week, myself and Rufus Penzance take turns to write a chapter, with no idea where the story will go next, or how the terrifying cliffhangers will be resolved. The continuing adventures of Gret Binchleaf, the soft-boiled private dick with a crippling fear of pies. Hello, and welcome to The Adventures of Gret Binchleaf. Which is a serialised detective novel written by two authors. That's me, Rufus. And me, Howard. Brilliant. So how do two people write a book, Howard? Well, it's very simple. I write the first chapter, leave you with an exciting cliffhanger, then you have to pick up the story from there. Brilliant. And you get to hear us reading it to each other for the first time. This week is a very special one because we're giving you chapters one and two in the same episode. Brilliant. <laughs> Let's get started. Here it is. It's Gret Binchleaf and the adventure of the women getting abducted by crabs. Right, so we're off. Yep. <laughs> How are you feeling? I am feeling uh, trepiditious. Trepiditious. Well, I'm feeling excitable. Are you? Um, yeah, because I don't have to do anything. <laughs> first of all, I'm just going to sit here and listen. You see, you had it easy with the first ever series of Gret Benchleaf, I feel. Because there was no, Why? There was no... Why? Because, because you used to sit there quietly and then afterwards you'd say, no, no, I really enjoyed it. I was just too, <laughs> I was just too into it to actually make any sound I, or laugh at anything That's not ever. what I mean at all. I was paying attention. You write confusing long sentences that don't... That may, what, I'm, what I mean is you got to start the first one off when there was no expectations. Yeah, and now everyone's expecting, you know, episode one to be like... A what, what you're saying is I've set the bar pretty high. Super high, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm sure, Howard, mm. that your new chapter one will be amazing. I, I, I started out with a plan to do a lot more than I did, and then eventually I just went, oh, I'll start it, I'll just get up to this point instead, yeah. and then let and then, and then you, you, you do the plot. Okay, that sounds familiar. Yeah. <laughs> it's basically just a scene of eating chips. It's just pages of chips getting eaten. <laughs> Nothing happens. Nothing is set up. Yeah. And then Gret, uh, another chip, the yeah. end. He gets a phone call. He goes, oh, that sounds interesting. <laughs> Chapter two. Yeah, and then you have to write what the phone call is. It's exactly what, what this is. That's all you need to know. In fact, I don't even need to read it. Yeah, now. okay. So next week, Chapter two. <laughs> Do we have a title? I've got, I have written a title. I only wrote the title yesterday, and, um, and it's, it's very much open to um, open to change. <clears throat> okay, what is it? Um, it's called Gret Benchleaf and the Adventure of the Women Getting Abducted by Crabs. <laughs> okay, and this is chapter one. So does chapter one also have a title? Yeah, of course. It does. Okay, what's that? Well, because it, because last series, yeah, Benchleaf appeared in all the. Um, yeah, uh, almost I th- all of them. I, th- I thought we can't do that. No, no, that would be ridiculous. So it's called "On Your Marks, Gret Set Go." <laughs> it was a dark night, the type of night where the sun has gone down. He hadn't quite got his trousers on properly, but such minor details weren't of any import. Not today. He was on a mission of sorts. His seventy-two Ford Cortina cruised through the sleepy country lanes. An image of a pointy hat against a dazzling starscape with the moniker "Space Wizard" was emblazoned on the doors. <laughs> Good. And the top was down. Not because of the humid weather, or to look cool, 
He had bought this convertible as it was the cheapest vehicle he could fit inside. <laughs> Straight in with the fat yes. jokes. <laughs> yeah, they don't stop there. If anything, he's more fat in, in this series because uh, he, he lost weight as he got older. Yeah, that's how it works, isn't it? I think so, you, yeah. you naturally get thinner as you get older. Yeah, that's, I think that's how it works. Because you walk, you walk a lot more. Otherwise, you'd have stayed in the same place you were when you were born. That's not how life works, is it? <laughs> no, no. So you're losing weight from the day you're born. That's, yeah. that's how I see it. That's why babies are so massive. <laughs> and old people are tiny. Yeah. Uh, the space wizard was a fat man. In fact, proportionately speaking, he was actually more fat than man. At school, to teach him a lesson about something or other, they had vandalised his dictionary and swapped the nouns with the adjectives. But school stupid was behind the man fat now. <laughs> And right here and now, he was in a mood chipper. Brilliant. That made no sense, was it? Yeah. <laughs> it's That's good. It. I've, I've got a note here. This is not part of this. I'm going to stop doing that now. <laughs> Else my binge leave chapter will, be, will be finally become completely incomprehensible. So, okay. So the fat man was in a chipper mood. <laughs> this wasn't due to the amount of chips he'd eaten, <laughs> which was all the chips. <laughs> no. Finally, his career as a professional magician was taking off. Nothing in his life had ever taken off before, including that plane where they claimed he was excess baggage. His pants, or that parody of James Bond he'd written. Although, thinking about it, that was an actual takeoff, so maybe that didn't count. So he's been wearing the same pair of pants forever. He's never taken his pants off. Yeah. Is that the implication? Yep, yep, definitely. Okay. They're kind of like, because he, he grew in them, and now he can't get them off. <laughs> he grew them. His <laughs> pants His pants are actually a part of him. That's right. It's another one of the uh, amazing characteristics of Gret that we've yet to explore, the fact okay. that he grows his clothes. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, that, that, I mean, that's, I'm sorry, I'm already planning sci-fi stories for chapter two. Uh, But I mean, that's like, that's chameleonic powers, isn't it? It's not so much, Mm. actually, it's a superhero stuff. Well, Um, maybe that's one of his wizard, wizard powers. The ability to grow clothes. Yeah. It certainly is, mm. and it's like you know, he's he's like he's trapped in a in a building, and yeah. the, the police are outside, and they're going to shoot him. But then he grows a police uniform and just walks <laughs> out, and he's like, "Yes, I'm a policeman, like a com- you know, like the chameleon mm. out of Spider-Man would do." Although actually, the chameleon doesn't grow clothes. That's a that's a yeah. misrepresentation. Well, it's only his pants that he's grown. I mean, he could be maybe he's like Action Man. Maybe he just doesn't have down there bits. No, I think he's just young, isn't he? Um, is he young? <laughs> Mm. Right, well, he's still got to learn how to grow a full set of clothes. <laughs> okay, yeah, and that's yeah, why yeah. he's still just running around in his pants. I'm hearing you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm hearing you. He's got his trousers on his head. Oh, he, yeah, okay. Right. So he's at the moment he's driving around in just a pair of pants that he grew, mm. right? Yeah, but, but yes. Okay. Yeah, all right. Yeah, let's go with that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm happy with that. <laughs> okay. I'm happy with that. He did say he hadn't quite got his trousers on properly. So, so that's because they're in the, in the seat next to him. Um, well, you find out where they are, actually. They are in his head, but that's a spoiler. <laughs> That's a spoiler. Well, I'll cut that out. Okay. Up until this job offer, the space wizard, or Gret, as was his civilian name. Yeah. Hey, Surprise. It's Gret. It's Gret. He's the who, fat man. Who knew? <laughs> <laughs> who would have expected that the fat man who can grow pants that we've been talking about all this time <laughs> as Gret Binchleaf and like using the name Gret Binchleaf was Gret Binchleaf? It's a twist. Yeah, yeah. It's a startling twist. Okay, cool. Or Gret, as was his civilian name. <laughs> I'd been struggling for money because he'd refused to do children's parties. Gret hated kids with good reason. He'd been one once and that kid had succeeded in losing his own parents. Yeah. Stupid kids. But Although, strictly oh, he, speaking, he hadn't. Yeah, I know, but he believes that at the moment that he has, <laughs> doesn't he? That's why, you know. 
I think we're gonna what we're gonna what we're gonna see in this story. I predict, yeah, is as um, a lot of inconsistency in Gret's own mind. Yeah, uh, almost almost like he's suffering from uh, some kind of split personality. That's good. And uh, that's what, another one from of his one week to another, mm. he changes quite drastically. Yeah. <laughs> um. Oh yeah, he'd been refusing to do kids' parties, but his stubborn pride and unsound reasoning had finally paid off. And tonight he was to perform at the Cotillionaires Charity Ball Fish Egg Chow Down and Photo Opportunity Luau. As he approached the massive mansion, he remembered pedantically that all mansions are massive. <laughs> As he parked in front of the regular-sized mansion, <laughs> which was massive, just so we're clear, he happened to glance up at an attic window and thought he saw the most beautiful woman ever in the Ooh. world ever. Wow. He did a double take. <laughs> yeah. But when he looked again, she was still there, <laughs> giggling and jiggling her bazookas. Oh, <laughs> oh God. Um, welcome to the first... <laughs> The first female character of the new story. The very first appearance of a female character. And what's the first thing that she does? The first thing that she does is wiggle her boobs in a window at the main character. I take it it's going to get a lot better after this. It is going to get a lot better after that, don't worry. Crikey, he gulped. I don't know what voice we're going with here. Crikey, he gulped. Uh, A completely new one, apparently. Crikey, he gulped. He threw away his bottle of driving whiskey and did a triple take. At which point she was gone. Ah, a trick of the light, he thought to himself. And he should know about tricks, having recently graduated from magic school. He should also know about lights, since he owned a lamp. But he didn't, and he hadn't figured out how to turn it on yet. This, of course, made getting dressed all the more challenging, and almost explained why his trousers were on his head. Okay, good. Hmm. Uh, but he didn't fully explain it, because the no. real reason was because he, gl- he grows clothes. He grows, grows clothes. And, uh, and hasn't worked out how to do it properly yeah, yet, so he's still growing yeah, trousers out of his, his head. head. Yeah. <laughs> The party was in full swing. It was posh and elegant, and to Gret's dismay, he immediately learned that he'd been hired to entertain the kids. Most of them were crying. Probably for no good reason, thought Gret. In order to extricate himself from this hell, during his first trick, Gret decided to pick himself as a volunteer. He then quickly made himself vanish, leaving the Dumbo kids to pick their idiotic noses, wet their pig-ignorant pants, and do whatever else empty-headed foolish kids do. Stupid kids. Gret's, uh, Gret hates kids because uh, he, he says it says in the paragraph earlier because he hates him himself as mm. a kid. It's a new side to his self. Obviously, he's also got projecting that... on other children. Yeah, he's also got that split personality problem. So next week he might love kids. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Not not too much though. I <clears throat> oh, who knows? Mm-hmm. We'll have to wait and see. Mm. Is it possible to love a kid too much? No. Oh, there you go then. Just rub them really hard. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Howard is miming rubbing a kid like on top of the head at the moment. Nothing, yeah. nothing weird. He's just suggesting that rubbing a kid. I don't, I don't want to say rubbing a kid on the head. That still sounds rude. It's not rude. I mean, you ruffle their hair. Yeah, I know. I know. That's that's it's okay. Nice, you know. But you, it's a minefield, isn't it? Yeah. Talking about rubbing children is a minefield. <laughs> you like you can't do it without sounding like you're being inappropriate. But we're not. No. What we're saying is that sometimes it's necessary to, to, to rub, rub a, a child, child in like a perfectly innocent without yeah, and without expecting to blow up at any moment. <laughs> exactly. So. You know, if you're there thinking that we're terrorists because yeah. we want to rub children, you're wrong. Yeah, if you're thinking that somebody has hidden a bomb inside one of these twelve children, and you've got to, you've got to rub six of them and hope you don't explode. Then, yeah. what? Why are you thinking that? Yeah, <laughs> yeah what's wrong with you? <laughs> okay, Gret went. Gret went to find something to eat. He was momentarily terrified by a plate of tiny pies like this. Shit, goblins! A plate of tiny pies. <laughs> Until a calming, angelic, and probably Scottish voice explained. Actually, they're not pies. They're volivants. What the duck's patootie is a volivant, he said. <laughs> a canopy, she replied. Well, if you canopy, it's lucky that they're free, said Gret. 
Then, having forced eight of the knot pies into his mouth, he finally turned to the owner of the possibly Scottish voice, and that was when he fatefully saw her. She was a... <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> it's not funny, it's not funny. No, I'm worried because it's a female character, and I'm assuming you're going to be start describing her tits next. Because <laughs> that's what usually happens when you introduce a female character. <laughs> you know... You know, <laughs> it is, isn't it? That's what's going to happen. I can't believe I was only joking. No, not quite, but I mean, I think you like you, have, you know, you 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 under uh, you are seriously under uh, under expectations for me. Yeah, absolutely. Because well, like, not only for the female, you're going to be you're going to be eating stuff later on. She was a right piece of sexy. <laughs> oh God! With eyes and a nose and massive sultry ears, the type you could swing off and shout. Knockers time! <laughs> I feel that I've been proven a certain amount of right. I don't, I don't think you have. Yeah. I don't think you have. That's just one. Per, that's just Gret's opinion of the woman. That's yeah, not my yeah. opinion of the no, woman. No, of course not. I don't like massive sultry ears. I like small ears. <laughs> You're her from the window. It's not about preference. My, my, <laughs> my criticism was not that <laughs> you have a particular preference, but more that you know you are treating female characters as you know objects to be sexed with. Um, you know whether it's their ears, <laughs> the size of their ears is irrelevant. <laughs> Why is it? Whether you like big ears or small ears, you're very much focused on what kind of ears you like. <laughs> to, on the women you're going to have sex with. Listen, and I'm not that's the, this is a fa- that's the pure, this is the principal concern. He it, says she's got nice ears. What's wrong with that? There's nothing sexist about appreciating a person's ears. No, unless that's all you've done. You just talk about um, their ears and their boobs. You're, you're going to be eating stuff. Later. Okay, I look forward to eating stuff. Go on. Yeah, this, is, this is a fully formed female character and you're going to be like... <laughs> Stuff on the other side of your face. All right. Well, I hope so. I mean, I, I, I think the point stands that the first thing you said was about her appearance, but uh, that's what you think. <laughs> until I get proved wrong, and I look forward to that. You will get proved wrong. Okay, let's go. I mean, this bit's going to be more about what she looks like. <laughs> but um, you, what you're saying is, I've got to hold off and believe that things are going to be redressed later. Yeah, they're definitely going to get okay redressed, yeah. or undressed, maybe. <laughs> I don't know who could say. <clears throat> you're her from the window. He blurted out, spraying her with volivant. Am I? She replied, wiping dorsal rostral spine from her cheek. What? Wiping dorsal rostral spine from her cheek. It's a bit of prawn. It's a prawn volivant. Okay. Yes, I saw your bazookas. Oh, they were magnificent. (laughs) She blushed. She blushed and Gret noted that she was all the more beautiful when her head was full of blood. <laughs> Good line. I thought you'd like that line. Yeah, I do like that. When I wrote that line, I thought, this is the line that Rufus will like best. <laughs> yes, my father insists I'm weapon trained. He says I should be prepared for all eventualities. One bazooka, madam, seems over-prepared, said Gret. Two bazookas seems fucking like owning another bazooka. He regretted using all his powers of wit on that canapé joke. See, they're actual bazookas. They're actual bazookas. Okay, I take I it. I fooled you. I take it all back, except for the bit about the ears, which stands. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> But it wasn't her first appearance, no, it turns yeah, out. Yeah. That was actually her second appearance. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and the first time she'd been like, playing with guns. Yes. And and that's that's in no way sexist. <laughs> a woman standing in a window fondling I'm, some massive who's guns. Who's to say? She was probably naked while she was playing with, <laughs> yeah. playing with those and big jiggling guns. jiggling her boots about. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was happening. That was definitely happening. I've got to say that I have stuff on the other side of my face and I now have to eat stuff. <laughs> yeah, you can eat the stuff off the other side of your face. Okay, right? And then it won't be there anymore. All right, I'll do that. You carry on. Um, <clears throat> would you like to play with them? Would I? <laughs> Gret followed her upstairs and she got her bazookas out and he played with them. 
<laughs> Classic binge leaf moment. They're really heavy, he said. And long, she said. Oh, Do you like them? Do you like my bazookas? <laughs> All right. Any, any grace you had, any grace you had for the, the fact of them being actual bazookas has now been lost. All right. You've pushed, you've pushed that double entendre so hard. That it's now spunked up all over the floor. Still bazookas, just regular bazookas. Yeah, I know, but uh, it does It no longer matters. Okay, fine. Okay, I'll I'll take this. I'll eat this stuff off your face. Okay, thank you. Okay. Grep nodded. He had got a massive chub on. (laughs) It was so obvious. It made the bazooka seem small, and there was no concealing it. (laughs) That's a pretty big penis he's got. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So what we're saying is that Gret's penis makes bazookas look small. (laughs) Yeah. I've got a massive chub on. He said. (laughs) Oh, it is massive, she said. <laughs> and, said Gret, it is a chabon. <laughs> is it? Is it for me? She asked ever so softly. <laughs> oh, Lady Smythe, said Gret, shifting the elastic in his pants to stop the chafing. It may sound corny, but in a funny way, I think every chabon I've ever had has been for you. Oh, that's a nice line. Yeah. yeah even though it's also not. Mm. It's a nice line. Yeah, I was, I was trying to I was trying to find a way of in, injecting some romance into an otherwise disgusting scene. <laughs> yeah, I think you did that quite well. She swooned. Then she got it out and admired it. Of course. <laughs> my toe-toe wasn't always this big, he told her. In fact, my parents were expecting a girl. They had the name Greta all picked out. You call your penis a toe-toe? Yes, because it's like a toe, but it has two purposes instead of one. If you had pressed him on the subject, he couldn't have told you the purpose of a regular toe. Ah, a toto, yes, I see. Uh, do you have a nickname for your bit? I call it Australia. That was, that was, that was uh, his voice just <laughs> impacted hers a bit then. I call it Australia. Oh, because of the bush, he asked. No, she said, because it's had a lot of criminals in it. <laughs> they had a whirlwind romance, which in this case means that their rumpy pumpy was so vigorous the house seemed to spin around, and Toto went to Oz. They had sex, basically. <laughs> Gret smoked a post-coital kipper. I love you. Well. I love you, Lady Smythe, said Gret, actually thinking he meant it. The fat loved a idiot. <laughs> I imagine he was fat for a while. <laughs> yeah, I guess it, Yeah, I mean, the, the fact that he's fat here is irrelevant. <laughs> so it's just Howard victimising a character that we invented. <laughs> Please. <laughs> oh, Scottish, Scottish. Please. Call me Jimberly, she said. Jimberly? Yeah. <laughs> Good one. Why? It's my name. Hold on a Jesus-picking moment. But you, you are a girl, aren't you? Said Gret, suddenly thinking back to the whirlwind romance and how she'd insisted on only being bummed. <laughs> of course I am. Then why wouldn't you let me do the front bottom? And why do you have a man name? Two very good reasons which are intricately linked, she said, and stared off into the middle distance as the strains of violin came from the ballroom. Listen, sugar ears, I haven't got time for exposition. I'd better be getting back to the shindig before I get the sack. And believe you's me, you don't want a sack, Gret Benchleaf. I don't fucking fit. <laughs> Please don't go, she said pleadingly, <laughs> turning into Michael Crawford. <laughs> Please don't go, she said pleadingly, her ears glinting in the moonlight. I'm scared that I'll get eaten by a giant crab. Cock droppings, a flipping mantle, he thought to himself. No wonder she'd agreed to sleep with him. Yes, I, I can see how you would be, he said. <laughs> but I, I'm not going far. Don't worry, he lied. 
As Gret hurried down the stairs, pulling his trousers back on his head, he bumped straight into an irate-looking old fogey. "'Where the devil have you been?' demanded his employer, with a voice like an asthmatic who had accidentally inserted his inhaler up the wrong hole. "'I was, um, just talking to Lady Smythe.' Lord Smythe looked at him incredulously. Incre- Lord Smythe looked at him. <laughs> Lord Smythe looked at him incredulously. Not incredulously. Not incredulously. Incredulously. Not such man. Lady Smythe died twenty years ago. The music suddenly stopped. Was Gret involved in an adventure involving a spooky ghost? He wondered. Oh, sorry. You mean my daughter, Lady Jimberly Smythe? The conductor picked up his baton, apologised and started up the band again. Well, I don't want you hanging around her. She has the curse. Of crabs? Oh, OK. Gret involuntarily scratched his toe I beg your... P- oh, no, it says a peggy bon. I peg your bon, he said. There is an ancient crabby curse upon all the women of our family. It took my wife and her mother before her and her mother before that and before that her grandmother... <laughs> In ancient Egypt, so it is told, our ancestor, Lord Ridgewell Fumbling McGoggin Smythe the Eleventh, desecrated the tomb of Akra Man, stealing away the mummified corpse of his daughter, Akra Mandy, since that piteous day, whensoever a woman of the clan Smythe has sexy time, the very day afterwards, the giant crab of Akra Man will come and steal them away. Naturally, we gave Jimberly a man name to try and conceal her true gender, but really... Can a fake name fool an all-seeing dead Egyptian god? Especially when she's got those enormous bazookas, hmm? I hope to God I never find out. So, there, that's the story. Don't you be sleeping with her. Oh, hold on a truffle-snuffling tick. Where did your daughter come from if the crab nicked your wife directly after you did the dirty? I adopted her. An orphan, said Gret, his antsy love feelings growing in sympathy. So, why didn't you adopt a boy? Isn't that obvious? I'm an inbred posh fucking moron. <laughs> I see. <laughs> Good. One final question, if I may. This sex business with your daughter, I suppose uh, I suppose it's okay to do her up the back passage? No, that's worse crab's love anal. That would only make the crab come faster. <laughs> Why do you ask? Suddenly a huge crash and a blood-curdling scream came from on high. Sorry, I thought that was going to be... Suddenly a huge crab <laughs> <laughs> came in and took the woman. The end. That is kind of the end, but uh, <laughs> you don't see the crab. Okay. Suddenly a huge crab. <laughs> Suddenly a huge crash and a blood-curdling scream came from on high. The two men raced up the spiral staircase. Gret's fat matched equally by Lord Smythe's old. <laughs> but by the time they had arrived in the attic room, Lady Smythe was gone. And there was just a torn dress, a spattering of lumpy blood, and a massive crab-shaped hole in the wall. What will happen next? Will Gret become a detective just like in that dream he had that time involving people turning into books? Or will Gret just find a new girlfriend without crabs instead? Or will Gret fly around the world really fast and reverse engineer an earthquake? Find out if Rufus can resist the urge to do time travel in the second thrilling instalment of Gret Binchleaf and the Adventure of the Women Getting Abducted by Crabs. Chapter 2, Gret Binchleaf and the Adventure of Lois Lane Coming Back Out of a Hole. Um, Alright, so I've got to start with um, the plot so far. What I'm going to do is I'm going to turn the volume off my phone. Good plan. Okay, so the plot so far. 
Gret Binchleaf, amateur pie avoider and professional space wizard, <laughs> met the rich and beautiful girl of his dreams, only to have her kidnapped by a magic Egyptian crab. Because of an ancient misogynistic curse that means all Smythe family women get abducted by crabs if they ever dare to have sex, and especially bum sex. What chance does a stupid magician have against a great big flipping crab? And will... <laughs> a good question, right? and will he ever see his briefly beloved Lady Jimbly Smythe again? Find out now in Chapter 2 of Gret Binchleaf and the Adventure of the Women Getting Abducted by Crabs. <laughs> and Chapter 2, Let's Gret Ready to Rumble. <laughs> mm. I knew you'd like that. Sorry, I couldn't laugh. I was just drinking water at the exact moment you decided to give yeah. me the title. It's all right. So I had to clap instead, which, which made a really loud noise. Then you have to add it out. Okay, so, it's so, really so yeah. silence. what you missed there, listener, was uh, Howard going crazy with excitement <laughs> over how amazing my title is and how it kind of references a PJ and Duncan song from the 90s, right? Uh, That's what you're thinking, right? Because mm. it's not, I mean, they didn't invent that phrase. No, they didn't. But they that did. Phrase. They made it theirs. Yeah. Okay, so chapter two. Let's Gret ready to rumble. <clears throat> well, said Gret, looking at Well, said Gret, looking at the blood stains on the floor and the giant crab shaped hole in the wall. I think it's safe to say that we'll never know what happened here. <laughs> I'm guessing she probably went off to live in France or something. Or maybe she went on holiday to France. Or perhaps she just nipped to the bathroom in France. Should we go to France and look for her? <laughs> Gret was unusually eager to go to France. <laughs> what about the big crab-shaped hole in the wall? Asked Lord Smythe. Maybe she left in a crab-shaped car? This room is on the fourth floor, you dimbecile. <laughs> Gret squared up to Lord Smythe. It was time to open a can of no shit-taking from no one. Look, I don't know what happened to your daughter, you old git. I'm a space wizard, not a detective. <laughs> Good. Fortunately for everyone here, said a voice, I am a detective. Gret looked up and was surprised to see a spooky ghost walk in. Hey! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a spooky ghost, he said, pointing at the spooky ghost. Gret knew it was a ghost because it had a white sheet over its head. <laughs> Dad, what's happening? asked the spooky ghost. Your sister got abducted by one of those giant crabs because this fat wizard put his cotton chips in her newspaper. I didn't know such thing, said Gret. I just bummed her. Gret wasn't too good with euphemisms. He preferred mephemisms. <laughs> oh, we knew this would happen. We always knew that someday she'd meet someone, someone irresistible, and in a moment of desperate weakness, she'd succumb. She didn't succumb, Greg, Greg clarified. <laughs> she sucked one of them, but she wouldn't go near the other one because she said it looked like her uncle. Which one? She's got 17 uncles. She said he was called Professor Doctor Who, <laughs> Gret replied innocently. This is your fault, the spooky ghost said to Gret, managing to look annoyed despite not having a face. If you had kept your sausage in your own mash and away from my sister's egg and chips, she'd still be here, you absolute chin banana. I didn't come here to be insulted by a ghost after falling in love with a woman who got abducted by a giant crab because I bummed her, said Gret, <laughs> truthfully. <laughs> oh, she isn't a ghost, said Lord Smythe. This is my other, younger daughter. You see, it's, uh, yeah. it's, it's, an, it's the, I'm, I'm basically, I'm trying to, I'm, I'm giving you as many, as many running gags as you could possibly have to choose from. I know, I know. And the, the mistaken belief that someone's a ghost is, yeah. is one of them. Yeah. But, but it's, it's always, not the only one. Yeah. But it's always going to be his daughter, though. <laughs> he's going to, he's going to have eight daughters. Yeah, okay. Yeah, okay.
Uh, okay, so blah blah blah. Absolute chin banana. Said Gretchen. Okay, <laughs> okay. Oh, she isn't a ghost. Said Lord Smythe. This is my other younger daughter. My name's Susan. Said the not ghost. Gret frowned. Susan? He asked, somewhat trepidantly. Yes, Susan replied. Susan cheese in a bag. <laughs> Your name's Susan cheese in a bag? Gret asked. Yes. Does that strike you as odd? Gret considered this for a moment. On balance, no, he replied. <laughs> I went to school with a girl called Hamela, and my ex-wife was called Trevelyn. I suppose being called Susan Cheesinabag is quite normal. Do you mind if I just call you Susan? Yes, I do. My name is Susan Cheesinabag, and you will kindly use it when you address me. OK, Susan Cheesinabag, said Gret, starting to feel that this conversation had gone on far too long and repeated the name Susan Cheesinabag too many times. That's Miss Susan Cheesinabag to you, said Susan Cheesinabag. <laughs> <laughs> and Gret silently decided to ignore her and call her Susan. Why have you got a sheet over your head? He asked. I always wear a sheet on my head, said Susan, so the crabs can't find me. <laughs> we were going to make her invisible, interrupted Lord Smythe, who, despite not having spoken for a little while, was not dead yet. But then it turns out that that's impossible, so we just threw a sheet over her instead. But you haven't even cut any eye holes. Well, of course not. What if I see some irresistible man, and I'm so overcome with raunchiness that I rip off my sheet and bum him right there? Oh, that, that's actually a very clever plan. Gret found himself warming to Susan cheese in a bag, and not in a sex way, which was out of character for Gret, as he was normally a slobbering, sex-crazed misogynist. Perhaps it was the confident way she had taken control of the situation. Perhaps it was her obvious intelligence. Or perhaps it was because she had a sheet over her head, <laughs> covering everything except her socks and trainers. But for once, Gret didn't feel it necessary to describe her boobs and nothing else. <laughs> Like he did at least 50% of the time when he met a woman. What a sad world where a woman has to wear a sheet over her head to avoid being disregarded as little more than a kind of boob transportation device. <laughs> Was something Gret didn't think because he'd been distracted by the memory of Jimbley Smythe and her enormous melons. They were lovely melons, he said aloud, remembering the way she'd squeezed one gently before getting a knife out and slicing it into bite-sized pieces, which they'd then eaten together because they were actual melons. <laughs> Who are you? Susan demanded, interrupting Gret's fruity daydream. The name's Leaf. Gret Binch Leaf. But you can call me Gret. Gret? What kind of a ridiculous name is Gret? asked Susan, cheese in a bag. My parents wanted to call me Brett, but they were scared of bees. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mr. Leaf, since you're responsible for my sister's crabduction, perhaps you'd like to help me solve this mystery and get her back again. Um, not really, said Gret, edging towards the door. You can start, said Susan, in a forceful manner that reminded Gret of the way his mother had spoken to his father while she was punching him, by describing everything in this room to me. What? Why do you want me to do that? I am a world-renowned consulting detective, Mr. Leaf, but I am somewhat hampered by this sheet over my head. OK, well, let's see, Gret began. There's two wine glasses on the bedside table and the bedclothes are in a mess, as if someone's recently had some brief but energetic bouncy squidge time, which they have, because it was me. Oh, I did it on top of your sister, did I mention that? There's a torn dress on the floor, but that was me as well. I ripped it off your sister before bum splooging her. There's a plate on the desk with one of those can of peas on it. A can of peas? Like a tiny pie, but less scary. A canopy. That's the one. And there's also a can of peas on the floor. I think they might have fallen out of my bag. I like peas. <laughs> Get on with it, Mr Leaf, 
There's lots of pictures of horses on the wall, and they're all completely naked. Except that one, who's got a hat on. There's a pair of women's shoes under the bed, and a book, and a half-eaten banana on the bedside table, and a giant crab by the window. <laughs> Gret looked around. She probably wouldn't be interested in the bloodstains or the piece of paper with the words The Zip Was Sacred scrawled hurriedly on it with Jimberly's signature at the bottom. Did you say, a giant crab? Susan asked in a nervous whisper. A giant crab, yes, between the window and the bed. And I think he's about to... Hang on, hang on a minute. Yes, I was right. He's eaten your dad. (laughs) What? Your dad, Lord Smythe. He's bitten him in half. There's really just a pair of legs standing there now. Oh, no, hang on. Yep, they've fallen over. Gret, come with me. Susan Cheesenabag took Gret's arm and quickly ran straight into a wall. She put her hand out, fumbling for the open doorway, where she would have fallen down the marble stairs if Gret hadn't saved her by being a big, immovable lump. After some confusion, they made it through the door and down the spiral staircase. Gret could hear the sound of noisily scuttling feet behind them as the crab struggled to gain purchase on the shining stone of the mansion's antique floors. They reached the main entrance hall and Susan pulled him to one side. In here, she said, opening a hidden doorway by pulling a statue's spear down or tilting a book out or saying a magic word or something. When they were inside the tiny compartment, Susan pulled the wall closed behind them, ignoring the screams of the guests being eaten by a giant crab. She pressed a button on the wall, and the compartment started to descend. (laughs) This is a lift, Gret said, unnecessarily. We've always known this day would come, Gret. We've always known that one day, the curse of the crabs would become unmanageable. So, what, we're going to hide in the cellar until they go away? Good plan. (laughs) No, Gret, we are a rich family. This moment has been prepared for. Not very bleeding well, thought Gret, considering that your sister was kidnapped and your dad got eaten by a crab. The lift shuddered to a halt, and Susan pulled the door open noisily. We're not entirely without resources in our fight against the crab ductors, she said. Gret gaped at what now lay before him. Shit-fucking-cock-rabies! <laughs> he exclaimed, gratuitously. One thing was for sure. After this, nothing in his life would ever be the same again. <laughs> What surprising and completely unexpected life-changing thing has Gret seen in the underground chamber? Why is the crab eating the other guests? Did they all have bum sex with Binchleaf? And what chance do a fat space wizard and a posh woman with a sheet over her head have against an army of giant crabs? Or just one giant crab? Or even just, like, a regular crab? (laughs) Find out in the next strawberry-flavoured chapter of Gret Binchleaf and the adventure of the women getting abducted by crabs. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Adventures of Gret Binchleaf. If you enjoyed it and would like to hear more free stuff by us, including the first ever Gret Binchleaf story, then check out our other show, The Man by Cow podcast, which already has over 20 episodes available and sounds a little bit like this. Hello, Mr. Fluck. It's nice to see you again. It's nice to see my again. The Man by Cow podcast is getting ready to go now. Series 3. There's a horde of rotting, drooling zombie dogs outside. This is a trick, isn't it? Look, look. See? Maybe they're regular dogs, but someone told them to play dead and they're just really good in it. We're getting ready to go now. Episode 1. Will Rufus ever escape from 1984? Look, mate, I can't be here all the time to cook your cornflakes and carry you to the toilet and back, and you're clearly too much of a knucklehead to look after yourself. So there's only one solution. Suicide? No, not flaming suicide, you moron. No, you've got to get in the time fridge and go and get Rufus from the 80s. Oh. 
Episode 2. Why has Howard decided to become a criminal? Is this wise? Because aren't you just going to get immediately caught and go to prison? <laughs> What's definitely going to happen? Well, this is why I want to run all my crimes by you. Oh, and see. You can help me out and make sure that they're foolproof crimes. All right, so what crimes have you got written down on your list? Burglary. <laughs> Burglaring, is that how you pronounce it? <laughs> Episode 3, Rufus gets a new best friend. Uh, hey, Rufus, what's wrong with your sheep? It's not a sheep, it's my pet dog. Look how alive he is. He looks kind of floppy, mate. Episode 4, why did teenage Howard write a story about two men dying in a shed? He too began to get changed. Nice, this is sexy. Removing... Two, men, two men together, they've lit yeah. a fire, they're getting undressed. Removing his face. <laughs> no, sorry, removing his face goggles. <laughs> Face goggles, what other kind of goggles? Yeah, then he removed his arm goggles and then he took off his foot goggles. Most people call them shoes. Episode 5 Why does Rufus want to buy a cow? You swapped my magic beans for a stupid cow. Can it do magic tricks? Can it play the drums? I don't know. I mean, I haven't given it the opportunity yet. Oh, well, let's find out, shall we? Let's find out. Here, Mr. Cow, have a go. What a surprise! What about the xylophone? Can it can it play that? Here, Mr. Cow, play a xylophone. Rubbish! It can make a rabbit disappear. Look! Ugh. There you go. Where's your pet rabbit? Vanished! It's a mystery. Rufus, I just watched you ram my pet rabbit up that cow's bumhole. Episode 6. Will Rufus succeed in building himself a robot mum? I think I've fixed it. Throw the on switch! Uh, no, she's still begging for death. I don't know what I'm doing wrong. When are you going to accept that you're rubbish at everything? Oh, I suppose I should be more like you and never try anything more challenging than sitting around in my pants and eating bananas. The Man by Cow podcast with a brand new Gret Binchleaf adventure. So I need to get into the mind of a thief. <clears throat> Let me see, here we go. <laughs> okay, so the mind of a bad man. I'm a bad, bad man. I'm a very bad man. And I really, really want the body of an 11-year-old boy. I'm Gret Binchleaf. I'm a detective. And I like to name my cases, except Gret Binchley from the adventure of the case with no name on it. <laughs> I still haven't worked out who that case belongs to. Well, there's no name on it. What am I supposed to do? I'm a detective, not a bleeding wizard. <laughs> the Man by Cow podcast, available now from the British Comedy Guide and manbycow.com. You know, you can't do card tricks. No one accuses you of being a dead dog. Oh, you're getting bogus all over the cucumber sandwiches.